December 23rd, 2015, Connie debate began her day as usual. Christmas was right around the corner and kids were off to school that morning before they enjoyed the holiday break. However, Connie would never see her kids get off the bus that afternoon. Around 10 in the morning, she was shot twice while her husband was found tied to a chair. Her husband said a home invader took her life, but Connie's Fitbit told a different story. This episode contains murder. Discretion is advised. Welcome to An Easy, a podcast hosted by Lexi and Cecilia. This podcast is a collection of research based on haunting and mysterious events that will leave you feeling genuinely uneasy. Discretion is advised. So Connie and Richard, who goes by rec, debate, live in Connecticut. They both have nice jobs. Connie did make a couple grand more than Richard, but nothing significant. Both had the average middle class lifestyle. They met when they both graduated high school and they started dating in their early 20s. At the time of the murder, Connie was 39 and Richard was 46. So the murder happened on October 23rd, 2015 in the morning hours. The debates were found in their home and appeared to be victims of a home invasion. Connie debate was found shot to death and Richard was found tied to a chair. The supposed break-in happened just days before Christmas while the sons were off at school. So what is known about this crime scene is that Connie was found lying on her back. She had a Fitbit on the side of her waistband and her cell phone tucked into the other side. She had gunshot wounds to the back of her head and to her stomach. That gun that shot Connie was found in the basement, which did belong to her husband Richard, and the basement window had been pulled out lying inside the basement on the floor. Richard had said that he had crawled from the basement where the intruder stabbed him with a box cutter to call 911. Was it normal for Connie to like have a Fitbit or was that something that was placed at the like it's believed it was placed at the crime scene? So Connie was supposed to be going to a workout class at the Y that day and so she was in her exercise clothes when she was murdered and that's why she had a Fitbit on the side of her waistband. Okay. And if her husband was found tied to a chair. How did he get to the kitchen to call 911? He crawled up the stairs from the basement to the kitchen in the chair that he was bound to. So Richard's explanation for the day is that he watched his kids go onto the school bus and then he was on his way to work. And he received an alert on his phone that the burglar alarm had been set off. But then he later said that he actually forgot his laptop and that's why he went back to the house. Connie was supposed to be at her spin class at the YMCA while Richard was on his way back to the house. And then he stated that he heard someone upstairs and he went to go check it out. He originally said that he thought that it was their family cats. But when he walked upstairs, he saw someone in the master bedroom so the intruder was in the closet like rummaging through their their items he said the intruder was about 6'2 and larger than he was and wearing a dark green camouflage suit and mask so his story doesn't seem to be adding up already and that just gives me major red flags about this guy and the fact that he's like Stating he was 6'2 and larger than he was. It sounds like he's really trying to, like, kind of talk up the fact that he wasn't able to, like, defend him off. 
It gets better. So he said that the intruder noticed he was in the room, and then the intruder pulled out a knife. And then he said, give me your money, your wallet, and your pen numbers. And if you don't, I'm going to wait here for your wife and kids. And the intruder said this in a Vin Diesel-like voice. (laughs) Oh, come on. Very specific. (laughs) It could have been Vin Diesel himself, for all we know. That's like choosing the most masculine, like, <laughs> character from your... What is... He plays in what? Fast and Furious? Like, yeah. Like, is he trying to pick... I think he plays in literally, like, anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, when the intruder said this to Richard, he then proceeded to start running away from him. He said he was about four feet from the intruder originally whenever he discovered him. The intruder then shot the gun, and Richard saw a flash. He then closed his eyes and fell to the ground. His ears were ringing, and he thought he heard another shot. Richard stated he then got up and saw his wife on the ground. Richard said the intruder came towards him and did some sort of, and I quote, pressure point thing on his neck and wrist while making him, and I quote again, walk like a dog. I'm sorry, but I just don't think that a burglar has the time to make you walk like a dog. Like, that is just so weird to me. Normally, they, like, are trying to get in and get out. He made him walk like a dog all the way to the basement, where he then proceeded to tie him to a chair. And this is where, like, the intruder then pulled out the screen that was found in the downstairs basement and escape on foot into the forest. So, just to make this clear, this is what Richard told police, right? This was Richard's story after he had crawled upstairs to go call 911 and check on his wife. So, just from hearing this story from you, I'm not believing a single thing that this man is saying. Not a single thing. Am I wrong in that assumption, or... The police very quickly caught on that something wasn't adding up in Richard's story. The whole layout of the crime scene didn't really make sense. How they were in the master bedroom upstairs and then Richard was walked like a dog all the way down to the basement. (laughs) Uh, They were also confused on how the intruder so easily accessed Rick's belongings. He had Rick's gun and he had Rick's um, box cutter and he was able to like escape from the house super easily without there ever being proof that his house was being canvassed so those are ready don't add up and then to add to that so right away the police noticed that richard had two minor stab wounds on his legs however richard said richard said that these were caused by the intruder but the police immediately noticed that they looked self-inflicted identical stab wounds that were in a very fatty part of the thigh causing him very little harm and not causing him to be unconscious at any point due to these stab wounds interesting yeah if you think about where would be least painful to stab yourself would probably be like a fatty part of your leg compared to like a more sensitive area so i I think that's really interesting that they were able to put that together so quickly. Yeah. And then they started canvassing the house more. 
and they brought three canines in to smell to see if they could find the scent of the intruder and three separate canines were not able to smell anything. No neighbors saw anything. And again, this happened at like 9, 10 a.m. So kind of when people are like leaving for work, this is around the holiday season. If you're not leaving for work, then you're home for the holidays. And they live in a subdivision and subdivisions are pretty nosy bunches. So yeah, and they're also filled probably with a lot of moms who are staying home. So there was probably people in the area. Exactly. Yeah, they both had really nice jobs. So they were living in a subdivision where one partner could stay home if they did decide. That's also just like another big reason why it's weird that there was a burglary or intruder at that time. Because one, it's daylight. Normally that would happen at night if it's in such like a community where people are going to be around. Um, but it's just it's just not adding up. His story is not piecing together for me. His story continues to have more holes in it, as when neighbors started to be questioned, they stated to police that they heard three shots, but Richard himself only reported two. So what was it? Was there three or two? There were three shots that actually happened. Two hit Connie, and then one hit the rafters within the house. This is where they believe that Connie was trying to fight off Richard whenever he shot her, and so his first shot was unsuccessful, and then his next two, he actually was able to kill her. And to add to all of the evidence that's stacking up against Richard, There was not even evidence that he was checking on his wife after she died. Your house just had an intruder and you saw your wife get shot. I would definitely check on her after calling 911 personally, but that's just me. Oh my gosh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But this kind of made sense to police why why Richard didn't check on his wife. Because they found out that he was cheating on her for the majority of his marriage. And when they confronted him, he actually said that he wasn't cheating. Found out that his his girlfriend at the time was pregnant. And Richard (gasps) used an excuse that his pregnant girlfriend was actually just a surrogate for him and his wife. Because his wife could no longer have, like, his wife could not have a third child. So this was an, an arrangement that the... All three of them had agreed on. Okay. First of all, what a pig. Second of all, that just makes me so upset because I'm such a supporter of surrogacy in general. And I hate that he's using that as an excuse for his infidelity. That just makes me so mad. It is pretty surprising. And I think it's such like an outlandish lie. Like I definitely would have come up with it on like my first thought. But... Richard was really cooperative at the beginning of the case and the interviews. He even gave up his phone, like, to the police. But they did find out that he actually had a second phone this whole time, and he was communicating with his mistress during it. So whenever they were, like, originally looking at Richard and the possibility of another suspect, they really needed hard evidence to prove that he had actually killed his wife because there was foreign DNA at the crime scene. 
So they like they needed like real evidence. So this is when they start to look at Connie's Fitbit, the internet usage, and the home security system to start to make their case. The timeline that actually played out that day in comparison to Richard's story, as you'll note, there is a lot of differences. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> so at 6 a.m., there was a lot of activity from the security system. So the security system was wired so most of the doors would, like, go off if they were opened or closed. So even, like, inside doors. Okay. It's like bedroom doors, doors to the kitchen, that kind of stuff. Yes. So 6 a.m., there was a lot of activity. That was when they believed, like, everyone was waking up for the day. Around 7.30, Connie's Fitbit registers her first steps, and that's when more doors start to open and close. And during this time, Richard is on his iPad looking at random news articles appearing to be normal. So after a little bit of Connie's Fitbit registering her walking around, it logs her walking about to leave for the YMCA, registers the garage doors opening and closing, and a little bit of inactivity on her Fitbit. During this time, though, Richard is still at home when he says that he's supposed to be at work using his key fob that he has part of his home security system to open and close the garage doors and alarm the security systems through text messages. So he's trying to get text messages to turn the security system on and off and see if it will do, like, a break-in notification. So he essentially is trying to use technology to get away with murder, but technology is what's... And the technology that he has on his home that he's trying to use is what's having him be discovered, essentially. What is most surprising is that he was, like, actually technically savvy. He had a job as, like, a network technician within his, like, a company, yet he could not figure out how to work his security system within his own house. It shows that he sent numerous, numerous, like, text messages to the alarm trying to, like, turn it on and turn it off over, like, the course of, like, several minutes just trying to figure it out. That's embarrassing for him, honestly. (laughs) So Connie does return home while he's still trying to figure this all out at 9.15, and she's on the phone with her mom to about 9.22. She was supposed to be at the Y again, but it got canceled, but her class got canceled. So she was at the Y for a little bit, and then she returned home after realizing that her class was canceled. So the first thing that Richard does when he hears Connie come into the house is he goes onto his iPad and checks why the checks the YMCA Facebook to see why Connie is home. Why doesn't he just ask Connie? Is it because he's trying to be sneaky or like he definitely wasn't expecting her to be home at that time. Again, this is when he's trying to get the home security system figured out and get other parts of his plan figured out. So I think he was caught off guard as to why Connie was home at that time and just 12 minutes after Connie got home, this is when police suspect that Richard actually began his attack on Connie, his last like internet activity. And it is when he starts to really open and close doors and like go outside and come back. So, like, planting the evidence that he would later use to describe as a home invasion. 
It's crazy that they're able to connect all of that just based on his internet activity and systems within his home security. I don't think people always realize that those are key things in investigations, just like, you know, cell cell phone calls and things like that. They're key things that police investigators use when looking into crimes like this. This case was the first of its kind. So I maybe Richard just didn't realize that the things that he was trying to prove his innocence were the exact things that were going to make him found guilty. Um, but police were even able to figure out when Connie's last steps were. At 10.05 was the last documented activity on her Fitbit. And then 10.07, Richard presses that emergency button on his key fob that he was trying to work out earlier saying that there was an intruder at the house. That happened really, really quickly. It was less than an hour after she came home. So the whole time that she was at the YMCA, he was planning on how to kill her. And then just 11 minutes after he presses our emergency button and 13 minutes after he, after Connie takes her last steps, he tries calling 911, but somehow misdials. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> how do you misdial 911? Of all numbers, how is that the one that you <laughs> misdial? The number's pretty much been the exact same forever, but he does misdial 911. And then a minute later, he does successfully call 911, and that is when the police arrive to the scene. So the most significant indicator of Richard being guilty at this time, other than all of like the internet data is that Richard said the attack happened an hour prior to the last documented Fitbit activity from Connie and the garage doors and I wouldn't recall and all of that. Right. So that was more incriminating evidence that the police had against Richard as they went to go convict him for his wife's murder. I don't know how he got the timeline wrong when he was trying to tell the police when he sat at home the entire time she was at the Y trying to have his timeline right. Like, why? what does it matter if you say it at the true hour that it happened? Like, in my eyes, I just don't see any benefit to him lying about when it happened, like saying it was an hour earlier than it actually was. I think it was part of his innocence plea saying that, oh, he was tied in the basement for a long time and she was shot at the very beginning of the home invasion. And then the home invaders were like rummaging through their house for a while. But then again, the home invaders never took anything or never damaged any property. So the timeline doesn't make sense and definitely shows with Rick searching the Facebook page of the why to see the reason behind Connie's last getting canceled is that he just wasn't prepared for her to come home and thought that he had more time. So he was starting to get sloppy in his actions. So after the police were able to combine all of the technology evidence that they had against Richard, they charged him with falsifying evidence and murdering his wife on April 14th, 2017. 
which is 16 months after the murder actually took place. And there's a couple of reasons why this timeline just took so long. First, it's just the detective work that goes into it. And then, again, this was the first time technology, like a Fitbit, had been used. So there was, like, more more things that the police were unfam- detectives were unfamiliar with that they had to look into while going through the case. So after it's been established that Richard did, in fact, kill his wife, the question is, why did he? So as I stated earlier... Richard was having an affair the majority of his marriage with Connie and his mistress, Sarah, was pregnant. So Sarah and and Richard had actually known each other since they were in grade school, so far before he had known Connie. And he had cheated on Connie in 2002 before they even had kids with Sarah. So Sarah was a very big part of his life, but... She got married and she moved away and then she got a divorce and she moved back. And that's when the affair started back up again. I just like, why did she not leave him? He's just a walking red flag. I guess like that's a silly question for me to ask. It's like hard to know, but. Yeah, Connie did say like, Connie did talk to people that they were thinking about divorce, but they had family together they had properties together and it was just like complicated and drawn out and connie was still trying to make it work the best she could for her kids she did tell her mom the day that she died that she had signed up for therapy because richard was in a quote a mess however richard did not want to lose half his assets in the pro in the process of getting divorced and he told sarah that he informed Connie that Sarah was pregnant but none of Connie's family can confirm that that conversation actually took place and Sarah even told Richard that he did not need to leave Connie that she could raise a child on her own and she would never even tell anyone that the baby was his do we think that Sarah is involved with all of this like she's like the jealous mistress I truly do not believe that she was involved at all. Police went through her messages with Richard on like the separate phone number. And she just, like, she knew she was a mistress. But I think she was very happy in that. And the text messages were, like, very innocent in a way. And just, like, she, while she enjoyed his attention, I don't think she would ever murder her now. Richard not wanting to lose half his assets in the process was actually a really significant part into this murder, it is believed, because financial documents show that he had taken out a credit card behind his wife's back and used it to pay for a bunch of items for his mistress. So including flowers, secret stays at a very fancy Motel 6. Bye. Come on. (laughs) Um, He would rack up $1,200 at a strip club, and the night before Connie was murdered, he bought two tickets to a three-day cruise coming out of Miami. Interesting. Do you think he was going to maybe kind of try to get away from everything that was happening on the cruise? Like, was was the cruise scheduled for any time near when the crime occurred, or was it just something that he wanted to do with his mistress? 
the dates of the cruise were not stated, but I feel like he was like, oh, I finally have like peace and serenity away from my wife is no longer in the picture. I don't have to listen to her anymore. I'm going to go on this cruise with my pregnant mistress and we're going to have the time of our lives. That's so weird to me. Like, just get it. Like, just <laughs> leave her and be a normal human and take the L like you cheated. Whatever. D- that doesn't mean kill somebody. He was also, though, very interested in Connie's life insurance policy. Of course. Just five days after she was murdered, he tried cashing in on her $300,000, but the insurance company did deny his claim because it was an active investigation. And two years earlier, he stopped making payments on his own life insurance policy. Why? I think he, just he didn't knew have that the his money. No, they ha- they had debts, but they had the money to pay for life insurance. I think that he knew that it didn't matter about his life insurance policy because he was going to cash in on Connie's. Two years prior, like you think that that he was planning it for two years? That's crazy. It's very suspicious that he just stopped making payments on his own for so long. And then just a couple months after Connie died, he withdrew more than $60,000 from an investment account that belonged to his wife. So her death really let him cash in on a significant amount of money. And I think that was more of a goal for him than his mistress being pregnant. I'm sorry, but regardless if you have issues in your marriage, right? That is somebody that you have children with, that you have shared a life with. That shows absolutely no, like, it doesn't look like you're grieving this dead human. Whether or not you loved her and were, like, in love with her as your wife, if you truly hadn't been the one to do it, you would show some remorse. The way the crime was staged was definitely showed that it was premeditated and that he lacked empathy. He had purchased the gun that he was going to use to kill his wife over a year prior, showing again there was some premeditation with that. He had planned how to stage the house using the whole time that Connie was away at her gym class to make the crime scene look believable. He let the police think that he was being cooperative and look at his phone but the whole time he had a second phone that he was hiding all the evidence in. And then two days later, which would have been Christmas, he was with all of Connie's relatives and supposed to be grieving. Even though it was Christmas and it was supposed to be a really joyous holiday. But the only thing he would say to her relatives is that he wasn't the one that murdered her. To show his lack of empathy even more. He started talking about everyday things just weeks after her death, which isn't completely out of the blue. But every time he would go places, he would pack, he would stuff his pockets full of tissues to act like he was really sad and he had been crying, but he never used them. Even the day of the murder, police said that they never saw tears in his eyes. Richard took his wife and the mother of his child away from two young boys that will forever be changed from her death. Connie was known by everyone to dedicate her whole life to her kids. 
spending countless hours every day after work and after school to do activities with them. So it is really sad to think that Richard, in part, was doing this for the money and then to live a new life with his mistress. Yes. And then if Connie's class had not ended early or if she wasn't wearing her Fitbit that day, would Rick have gotten away with murder? I think that question remains. The use of Connie's Fitbit to convict her husband, Rick, was one of the first times fitness tracking technologies have been used in cases, giving this murder the name the Fitbit murder. Rick was found guilty in May 2022. Next time on Uneasy, Join us as we dive into the darker side of dating apps. We will look into the numbers and patterns behind crime associated with meeting what may seem to be a new fling online and ways to catch and avoid these major red flags. As we look at these patterns, we hope to foster safe habits as you swipe. Be sure to join us Monday, January 9th, and tune into this episode wherever you find your favorite podcast. (laughs) 